Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to the much anticipated episode where we are talking all about the Ewok adventure movies with our podcast twins, Jason and Gabe from Blast Points Podcast. Welcome back to the show, guys. Hello. <laughs> so, so happy to be back. Um, this is this is our fourth episode together too i can't believe it the fourth so many crossovers yeah and it's it's always a great time blast talkers sky points whatever you want to call it (laughs) it's an epic crossover of epic proportions and it couldn't even be more epic because we have two amazing movies that we're talking about that you guys are experts in when Disney Plus announced that this was coming back number one oh my god we have these movies now on Disney Plus Caitlin and I were like, well, we have to have on Blast Points again. Like, this is our our excuse to have them back because (laughs) they're experts and you are keepers of knowledge that we don't have. (laughs) It was also like when they announced it, we were like, has anyone checked on Jason and Gabe? (laughs) Who are they? (laughs) You guys summoned this. It was you. Uh, (laughs) We were scared to admit it was real until it happened, though, I think. We we didn't even want to talk about it until they went live. (laughs) And it, it went live with the coolest interface ever. Like the vintage collection couldn't be cooler. And also like, okay, so just to back up a little bit, Blast Points, first off, if you haven't listened to Blast Points at all, it's an amazing show where weekly Jason and Gabe break down a topic of obscurity or the mainstream or anything. And you always learn something new. It's my favorite Star Wars podcast. I love it so much. And anytime that we can talk with Jason and Gabe in the podcast forum. It's like the best day ever. So I've been looking forward to this for a while. But last year they had an Ewok movie month where they had five whole episodes about the Ewok movies every week. It was so much. It was so great. I had never seen them. And if you haven't listened to those, I highly recommend after this episode to go listen to those as well because I learned so much and we're going to barely scratch the surface in this episode that Jason and Gabe like really dug a tunnel of information (laughs) in those episodes. Well, first of all, before you start, thank you so much. I know we agree. We always love talking to you both, too. And it's always such so much fun and such a treat. So, yeah, thank you for having us before we get started. I just wanted to return the very kind words. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're always looking forward to talking with you guys. So, yeah, like Charlotte said, we hadn't seen the Ewok Adventure movies when Blast Points first did their series. And Charlotte watched them pretty much immediately when they came on Disney+. Plus. I waited until literally three days ago (laughs) before we (laughs) recorded this episode. And we got to do something really fun where we did a live watch on Scener with our patrons from Patreon. We did kind of like a movie night on Friday night and Sunday night to watch the Ewok movies together. And one, it was so much fun. And also, I was not prepared for the experience of actually watching the Ewok adventure movies. (laughs) And yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about it with you guys. We have like some semi-serious questions that we want to pose to Blast Points, to Jason and Gabe, and then also some fun ones to throw in the mix because... Yeah, like Charlotte said, you guys are a wealth of knowledge about these films. I'm ready. I'm re- we're always ready to talk the yeah. Ewok movies. Yeah. That's pretty much that's, that's all you had to say was Ewoks, and, and we'll, we're here. The magic word is Ewok. <laughs> we, just, we summon. Yeah. 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 Click your heels three times and say Ewok, and Jason and Gabe will appear. Yeah. <laughs> well, why don't we start right in the beginning then and just ask, 
what was your first experience with these movies and how did you know that they were so special? I vividly remember the first one because, and we've talked about this lots of times on our show too, that for some reason it was like in TV Guide or something that you could listen to the movie on the radio so that it would be in stereo because TVs weren't in stereo back then. So it was like, there's a Star Wars TV show movie and I can listen to it through our stereo. It just was this really, I don't know, it just seemed extra cool as a kid. So I was super pumped to watch it and make sure that the radio was all tuned into the right station. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, same. I I had a boombox, like a little cassette player boombox. And yeah, I had it tuned in with headphones on. And I remember sitting in my room watching it on TV and being like when a new Mandalorian episode comes on, it's like a demand complete and total isolation and silence. Nobody (laughs) can talk to me while this is on. And yeah, it was, I, yeah, I clearly remember being like this. Oh my God, it's a new star Wars movie at home and I'm watching it in headphones and nobody can talk to me. And yeah, I've really fond memories of the first one. I think we talked about this where, it's like when when the movies came out on VHS, I didn't get them immediately. But when I think it was when I was in college, I found used VHS copies of them. And I was like, oh, my God, the Ewok movies. I remember these. These were so good. It was kind of like the experience of like getting the holiday special for the first time on like a bootleg VHS tape. And you'd be <laughs> like, what is this thing? And this is like the stuff of legend. And you take it home and you watch it and you're like, whoa, this is a little, <laughs> little funky. <laughs> it was kind of like that with the Ewok movies, but I remembered watching the Ewok movies as a kid. So it was also kind of like, I remember they were weird, but also these are kind of bizarre and awesome. Well, and it was one of the things too, because as far as we know, they were only on TV that one time, right? So it was kind of like you watched it and you remembered it. But then after, as the years went on, it was kind of like, was that really a thing? Did I really see that? Or did that really happen? Because even watching them now, there's still parts like, I still don't believe that really happened. So, you know, (laughs) having some of those things just in your mind for years, like not knowing if you remember it right or not, was just is always a weird experience. Oh my God, that's so funny. (laughs) I'm less than 24 hours out from my first viewing of the Battle for Endor, and I, I still don't know if I what I saw is really what I saw. <laughs> so I, I can't imagine like seeing that, you know, almost <laughs> in one one time on TV, and then never again for a couple years or something like that. I'd be like, did I really remember them killing her entire family? <laughs> D- was that real? <laughs> The hype leading up to it, like it was in Starlog magazine and it was in Bantha tracks and it was always like hyped up like this is going to be a big, big deal. Like Saturday morning cartoons, they would be commercials for it. And I was like, oh, my God, the Ewok, this is a new Star Wars thing. This is going to be huge. And yeah, it was like Gabe said, like you'd go to school and you other kids watched it and then it just vanished. <laughs> you never heard about it ever again. I think that's so, so interesting. Like a flash, it was there and then it was gone, but it made (laughs) such a big impact. That's true. And that was maybe part of the magic of it at the time too, that was, it was like, it's like folklore or something where like you would run into someone, like I would run into Jason and like, you remember the Ewok movies? Holy cow. Yeah, I remember that. Like (laughs) 
did this really happen? I don't know. I think so. Like there was this little girl and she was with <laughs> Wicket, right? Right. And right. Wilford Brimley was in it, right? Was that yeah. the first one or the second one? Like yeah. it all kind of blurred together. Right. I think this shared memory. Yeah. Was this a fever dream? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, I swear Wicket was talking. And you could be like, no, 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 he didn't talk. It's like, yeah, I swear he was talking. He was speaking he English. Was- and it's like, yeah, well, you're both right, but it, you know, they all both movies blur together over time. So, <laughs> I think these films have such like a like they're so memorable in in like the weird way that we're talking about, in which like it's all memorable, but also like none of it actually happened or did it really. But I think it's interesting to think about like what George's mindset was at the time that he was making these films. And you guys talked a little bit about this in your Ewok month, where you talked about like this hypothesis that George was kind of going through a dark time during the production of these films. I was wondering if you guys could talk a little bit more about that and what you think George's mindset was, because these are crazy films <laughs> yeah, what the caravan of courage was 84 and it was what in no came out in november 84 and it was pretty it from conception to to release was pretty fast because what originally it was intended to be a 45 minute like holiday special to come out around thanksgiving christmas and then abc wanted it to be stretched out to two hours with commercials and gabe didn't we figure out that it happened very quickly yeah it seemed like that one came out very fast and they were yeah they were rushing at the end to pad all the extra time but then after that one there was a little bit of time before the second one and the second one is where things get really dark and that definitely seems to be tied into uh, maybe Lucas's divorce because Temple of Doom was around that time, which was Mm -hmm. much darker than the previous one. And there is, you know, a quote from the one George Lucas biography from the Wheat Brothers of how he specifically said he wanted this one to be all about death. So it's, (laughs) (laughs) there is some evidence that. Well, he succeeded. (laughs) But it's, yeah. And it was like this balance between being all about death and then also that his daughter, Amanda, loved the Ewoks. And he wanted to make more Ewok stuff for her. And I think I want to say we read somewhere where in the second one, even though all the humans died, none of the Ewoks died because she was too upset about Chukatuk from the first one. (laughs) So no Ewoks were allowed to die. Oh, my gosh. That's that's so interesting. I hadn't really thought about it that way. (laughs) But the George and Marsha Lucas's divorce was during the production of Return of the Jedi. So 83, pretty much. So... And going into 84 and the production of Caravan of Courage, yeah, it was that was the time of Temple of Doom and you th- the whole plot with being, you know, the separation of the children from the, the family and the village and stuff and freeing the children and the children. It, it's all there was this whole running theme going on of families being torn apart and children. It was mm-hmm. seemed to be very much on George Lucas's mind and he was not afraid to let scare the crap out of kids, you know, kind of thing <laughs> that seemed to be a thing going on. And it's strange. It's weird. But Caravan of Courage, though, is weirdly very, very light and mm-hmm. very fluffy, which is such a stark contrast with Battle for Endor, especially since Battle for Endor came out 85. Right. Was it the it was the year yeah, after Caravan of Courage? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was so kind of crazy that, you know, the premise of Caravan of Courage is, you know, the family is split apart, like you were saying, and then the end, they all end up together again, only for it to be followed quickly by all of their demises. (laughs) 
<laughs> it doesn't I seem mean... like they were designed to be watched back to back. Which is kind of what I did. <laughs> and the thing is, is I remembered you talking about the parents dying, but I didn't really remember where they died. And so it was always kind of like, okay, I'm pretty sure, like, I know they're they're gone. So when are they gone? But Mace was the complete wild card for me. Completely (laughs) forgot that he also exited the picture. And after that, it was just like a roller coaster of, oh my God, we, whoa, how much trauma, poor Sindel. Oh, she's being kidnapped again and again and again. And then Noah and the uh, the whole thing. It was just (laughs) nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. (laughs) We were live streaming it. And afterwards... (laughs) We turned off our camera when we were watching it, and Aww. we turned back on the camera, and Caitlin was like, I don't mean to laugh, Caitlin, because this is totally valid, and I'm, I'm with you, but Caitlin was, like, sobbing. <laughs> it's like, this is, the movies really put us through the ringer. <laughs> I literally had a breakdown at the end of Battle for Endor when they all left, or when they all, when Noah and Sindel left, and they're saying goodbye to Teak and Wicket. I lost it. I lost it in a big way. And our the poor group of agents that were watching with us just had to experience that in real time. Yeah, it, was, it was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> Do you remember being shocked by the first 10 minutes of Battle for Endor when you watched it for the first time? I have very little memories of Battle for Endor. And I think maybe it was because it was too traumatic for me <laughs> oh as a God. kid. <laughs> Your brain deleted it. Yeah, I don't remember the first time I watched it. Like, it's just all a blur with the first movie. Self-preservation. Yeah. (laughs) Truly. I just just remember thinking this is weird. (laughs) I remember the witch. I don't think the death of the family fazed me too much. But I remember being like, wait, why is there a witch in Star Wars? And why is there a castle, like, on Endor? I just remember being kind of, like, perplexed by that. But I remember really enjoying Teak. So, mm-hmm. oh, I love Teak. Yeah, I love love Teak. I would say rightfully so. Confused by the witch in the castle, they're so Willow. They're so Princess Bride to me. Like <laughs> maybe Wizard of Oz. Even it's so fairy tale. And I have another question: Where were you when you found out that the witch was a Dathomirian witch? Because I found that out last night, and my mind was blown, absolutely blown to bits. I'm still recovering. <laughs> Well, I remember hearing that during or after Clone Wars time with, I feel like maybe we did an episode where we were talking about Night Sisters, and I was researching Night Sisters, and I remember reading that in one of the first Night Sister arcs, Filoni was going to put Sheral in the episode by name from the Battle for Endor. Gabe, didn't he say like he did a sketch of her? I think so, yeah. Like what she would look like in the Clone Wars, but it never came to be. And then kind of doing research and like the whole cycle of the Night Sisters thing where like they were introduced in what like I think it was the courtship of Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. And then what Dan Wallace in an essential guide to characters like retroactively said Sheral was a Night Sister also from Dathomir. 
So then I feel like it was like one of those situations also with like where Filoni is talking about like the Mandalorians and like how George was like, I want to bring the Mandalorians in. And Filoni was like, there's this whole other history that you know we've got to <laughs> kind of talk about. And it, maybe it was a situation like that where it's like if we bring in like these witches, well, it's like, well, they already kind of did that in the books and there's all this stuff. And maybe the two things kind of interlinked for a minute there, but. Yeah, the fact that Sheral almost ended up in the Clone Wars with like Mother Towson or something. Yes. <sighs> we were robbed. We, we were, were robbed. Truly robbed. <laughs> it made, like it is honestly the best place to put her. Like if she was going to appear, that's where she would appear because I feel like when they really introduced the Dathomirians and the witches, it felt like almost similar to Battle of Endor with the castle and the witch and the power source and like the man in the woods. Like it all felt very fairy tale. Like when we were all watching it together on Patreon, we kept talking about like Lord of the Rings and Narnia. Like it felt not Star Wars in this weird kind of way that was honestly like a little bit jarring. And so I feel to like slide <laughs> Lady Charles into it's like Dathomir with Mother Talzin. Like it works so well because witches, I think, isn't something you necessarily associate with Star Wars right away if you're not familiar with like how everything from Star Wars, you know what I mean? So it would have been like the best place to put her. And, you know, like there's still hope. It's not over yet. Yeah. She could. She it's could not over. In. It's She's not over. It's just what, beginning. Where is Kira say. going? Where's Kira yeah. going? <laughs> yeah. To Dathomir. Oh my, oh my God. <laughs> you're so right. Dathomir. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> It's gonna go hang out with Sheral. There's still you time. Imagine that story's not done. <laughs> if instead of Solo 2, we got Kira and Maul and Lady Sheral on Dathomir. I mean the yeah. pivot is yeah. extraordinary. Why and not? I would love it. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm here for it. Why not? I think it'd be great. I'm kind of wondering who Kira would ultimately like if she would keep with Maul or if she would join forces with Lady Sheral. Maybe she would get her own magic ring to turn oh into a, her bird of choice. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going down a rabbit hole now. What bird would Kira choose to transform into with her magic ring? I actually don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Either. I think <laughs> like a raven maybe. Yeah. You're asking the right questions. Yeah. yeah. You, you <laughs> know what, Caitlin, you are asking the right questions. <laughs> the real question is, what would Maul become? Maul would just be like a little robin. A spider. Well, if he has to be a bird. Well, I don't know. I don't. I actually have no idea if you must, if with your magic ring, if you must turn into a bird. Yeah. It's a magic ring. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Well, according to the Ewoks cartoon, you can turn people into a totem pole. So that's the other, <laughs> oh. that's the other <laughs> red ring power from the Ewok planet. <laughs> Why not, you know? <laughs> so, so, bird or totem pole are your options. Are your options? Yeah. Which way are you going to go? Yeah. <laughs> the, the totem master. Yeah, in the Ewok cartoon in season two, there's this character, the totem master, and he's got another <gasps> magical ring. So, oh. And it's red. It's just like Sheral's ring. Yeah, I remember seeing that episode title. It's like very highly rated, I think, too. Oh, don't. Yeah, oh, it, don't. don't, don't yeah, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> a word of warning <laughs> the totem master just about broke us when, when... okay like on a scale of zero to battle for endor like broke you where does the totem master fall i would watch battle for endor right now uh <laughs> but i, no I have no asked. i have no desire to go back to the totem master yeah I, yeah It'll be a while before I revisit the totem master. 
Oh my god, I'm so intrigued now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, as a as a follow up to Battle for Endor, it's probably if you just watch Totem Master, it's probably fine. Is the fact that we watched all the episodes <laughs> previous to it that made it too much for us? I think. Yeah, yeah it was a scary night. But anyway, okay. <laughs> Ewok movies. Ewok movies. All right, Ewok. let's talk about something that you mentioned in your series that kind of blew my mind. Also, that George Lucas himself directed some scenes. And I thought it was so funny that one of the scenes that he directed was the scene where Mace is enticed by this little fuzzy creature in in the trunk in Caravan of Courage. And the creature's so cute. And then it's like, all of a sudden, not cute. And basically, like, rips Mace's hand to shreds. And, like, that was the scene that George decided to direct. Like, what are your thoughts on that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and also, the big creature that comes out of the tree is the space slug puppet from the Empire Strikes Back. It's the same puppet, just <laughs> redone. <laughs> and so that's whatever happened to the space slug. And it's a cool it's a cool looking scene though. It's probably yeah, it is. the most stylistic scene in Caravan of Courage. Yeah, it totally is. There's a couple of moments in both of the Ewok films where I was like truly on the edge of my seat and that was one of them because I I feel like you know, there there are stakes here. A few. There was a f- yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the movie is way better. Like, I just want to give it credit. I feel like we have been like laughing about it. And I know you guys are really big fans, but I just want to say that I feel like they're really well done for made for TV movies. As someone who like grew up with like getting a VHS that was like a Disney sequel from like Disney home media, like those are bad. These are, (laughs) this was really like high quality. Like the effects are amazing as a someone who likes special effects and likes to study them and thinks they look cool. Not necessarily like, oh, my God, that looks so seamless with reality. I just feel like overall, the production value of these movies was way higher than I would have expected. That's just what I think. There's amazing like stop motion work. The map painting work in these oh. movies is incredible, like really, really, really well done. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, like Charlotte said, they were way better than I thought they were going to be. I think I thought they would be way more campy. Than they turned out to be. And I think they are kind of campy. But in, yeah, like the stakes are better. I mean, I, I was crying at the end of Battle for Endor. Like <laughs> full on crying. So emotionally it did something for me. Which I think is the sign of a good movie. And a good time. But yeah, I think some of the like sets of both of these films. Caravan of Courage and Battle for Endor. Like completely blew me away. Like some of the Ewoks sets. Even Noah's Hut. I loved Noah's Hut. I thought it was so cool. His like house in the woods i thought it was great but yeah the matte paintings in these films are honestly to die for i think they're incredible and like my question is where are they now that's the thing that's so nice too with them being on disney plus is they never looked this good before like when they were on tv they didn't look this good on dvd they didn't look this good i think the only person who would have seen them maybe look this good was the couple times they showed them theatrically in in Europe or whatever in the 80s. Like, yeah, they really hold up and being able to actually see how good they look just adds to the to the magic. And I think that was a thing, too. Like when I first got the VHS tapes, it was so neat to see almost like this lost little bit of industrial light and magic 80s that mid late 80s period where, yeah, it's still just doing gorgeous map paintings and stop motion effects it's like it's comfort food you know 
Yeah. Totally. There's such like a great variety of special effects in these films. Like there's the stop motion, there's the matte paintings, but there's also like very early like computer generated stuff like that i feel like you just really see like the like all different kinds of special effects and like charlotte was saying it's kind of cool like even though it's not quote-unquote seamless it's cool like when you're thinking about the history of film and special effects be able to look at all these different things that they were utilizing throughout the film to best fit the needs of the scene whether it was the spider on strings in Courage of Caravan. <laughs> Caravan of Courage, Caitlin. Caravan, you keep I, Courage. I, I, Courage Caravan. Um, it's like a Dooku Jedi lost. I just will never get the title straight. Unreal in both the horror and halfway through, I was like, wait, I can see the string. <laughs> Which I thought was really fun. And someone pointed out too, that like, well, they really didn't think you would see the strings in 1984. That is very true. But I just think it's great to be able to see everything that they were capable of doing and were going to do. Like we've been talking about with like the pretty high production value of these films of really just going for it with the special effects that they needed to do. Well, and it's neat looking back at these now that The Mandalorian is a thing and Star Wars TV is now exploding that all these years ago, this was the same idea of, hey, we never did anything for TV Let's do some TV stuff and see how we can do it, what it costs, like figuring out kind of the nuts and bolts of how making a TV show works. In addition to doing something artistic and and cool and, and a movie with Ewoks to make his daughter happy. The theory kind of behind it was like, can we do something Star Wars? Can we do something on like a Star Wars? Because, you know, George is always... Like, he'll, you know, make something for his daughter and for fun and people love Ewoks and stuff. But there's always this ulterior motive of how can we push technology and how can I do something that will benefit later? You know, and it was like, yeah, how can we do something on a Star Wars scale with the matte paintings and the stop motion and all the stuff? But how can we do it in a quarter of the time where, you know, Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back or some of the Indiana Jones movies would take years and years and years. And how can we do something? It's February and it needs to come out on TV in November. Can we do this? And yeah, it was like the first steps into now, like what they're just taking and running with, with Star Wars TV of this, like the whole concept of the volume and doing this whole very huge production very quickly and efficiently. It's kind of fascinating. It totally is. Something I've been thinking about a lot recently with regards to Star Wars and Lucasfilm and production is how often George... I, I would always say that I think the story and like the myth itself takes center stage, but George went where the technology was and where he could tell the story in the most efficient way. And I think that this investment in a television movie is really fascinating because it really was the beginning, like you mentioned, of what we see today in The Mandalorian with The Clone Wars, with Rebels, with his foray into animation. Something that you mentioned on your show that all day I've been kicking myself because last summer we did an animation series where we talked about the history of Lucasfilm and Star Wars and Star Wars animation. And something you mentioned was John Cordy, who is the Caravan of Courage director, Before he was chosen to be the director, he worked on a movie produced by the Lad Company, a.k.a. Alan Ladd Jr., called Twice Upon a Time, which was an animated film. And George produced that film. The film flopped, and you talked about that on your show. 
But regardless, that was the first piece of George Lucas produced animation that happened besides the the holiday special. But I think that we can put that in a box and separate that. But this was like (laughs) the first (laughs) film animated producing that George had ever done. And I think it only makes sense that he would choose John Cordy to direct this because he had that experience with this movie that called twice upon a time it was a fairy tale and a fairy tale retelling which is exactly what george was going for with these movies which is another reason why they feel so different from the normal star wars because they take place in one biome they are heavily leaning on fairy tale elements they aren't really leaning on sci-fi elements in battle for endor one of the things our patrons remarked upon and i feel like this is a common discussion point is that the Battle for Ender feels more Star Wars-y in a way. And I honestly think it's because there's more battles, there's starships, there's spaceships. It feels, I don't know, I, I think that there's even like this a little bit of a, a misunderstanding of what technology is, like technology versus nature, which is a huge part of Star Wars. But it was kind of flipped on its head a little bit here with the bad guys really not understanding what like a coaxium battery is which i'm still like scratching my head around the entire plot line of that i'm not gonna lie it's not very clear but i think that overall one of the reasons why maybe it faded into history is because it didn't feel like super star warsy but i just think it's really interesting i wanted to mention it here so it's like gospel on the podcast that we totally missed this whole thing about george lucas in our animation series and i'm kicking myself but here's the connection john cordy directed caravan of courage and before this he worked with george lucas when george lucas produced twice upon a time and i thought that was so interesting so thank you for including that in your show i've been kicking myself all day (laughs) well and john cordy's like extra fascinating too that i you know we didn't really realize this until we were kind of doing research for the Ewok stuff of how much he was a big influence on George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola, like going out on their own and starting yes. America's Zoetrope and all that, because, you know, he was this crazy guy making movies out of a barn and they just thought it was, he was like the coolest thing that you could be. So it's, it's really <laughs> interesting that later on, you know, they kind of hooked up again to make these TV movies. He was a filmmaker like in San Francisco, just working completely outside the system. And he was like a little older than them. And what the story goes that they were at like a party at his house and there was like an editing bay and in a barn. Yeah. And there was like an editing bay and they're like, yeah, we make movies here. We produce these movies here. We edit these movies here and we show them to our friends and we're outside the Hollywood system. We're in San Francisco and young Lucas and Coppola were just like, this is yeah the coolest person we've ever met. And this is what we want to do. And later, everything they kind of created was kind of this this kind of germ of an idea that got in their heads. And don't feel bad, too, with Twice Upon a Time, because it is, I remember watching it on HBO as a kid, but it is a very hard-to-find movie. But what's fascinating with Twice Upon a Time is if you think about that movie and compare it to Strange Magic, yes. there are yeah. a lot of similarities between Twice Upon a Time and Strange Magic, just in the fairy tale kind of thing. And like the whole kind of vibe of the movie, like Strange Magic and Twice Upon a Time are pretty closely related. Cousins. First cousins. I'm so glad you brought Strange Magic into the conversation because I feel like the Ewok movies, because both of them were created for his daughter, right? (laughs) I feel like they both kind of mirror each other in this weird way, you know? 
And I'm kind of fascinated by that about George creating movies for his kids. And I'm also just like, I keep learning new stuff about George Lucas that just like blows my mind. Like, I think I know the guy and I don't, obviously, <laughs> but like, I think that I've, I know enough and then I don't. And I am always blown away by these points of influence. And even with the, like Alan Ladd Jr.'s company, The Ladd Company, you talked about this in your podcast about like the movie flopped and they decided they only had enough money to like promote one movie. And that was the right stuff. And I love the right stuff. I had no idea it totally flopped. And I even think that there's even some like people at Lucasfilm love the right stuff. Obviously, it's an amazing movie. But I think that there's even in, in Star Wars Resistance, like they name a character after the real life figure that was featured in the right stuff. And all this to say, like all these things are kind of braided together and discovering this and being able to discover all these different points of Lucasfilm and history through Star Wars is just really fascinating to me. Yeah. I think when we were talking about the twice upon a time, like Charlotte, my first thought was, how did I not know this? (laughs) Like, (laughs) also I I just want to, as like a caveat to John Cordy, you know, working out of a barn, it just immediately reminded me of in The Mandalorian behind the scenes when George visited the set and they were talking about the volume and everything. George actually says in that he says something along the lines of this is what I always wanted, being able to make films out of a garage. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like pretty close to what he actually says. So it's just like a fun note that, yeah, like taking us all the way back to to this guy, John Cordy. And I'll also just add a fun Blast Talkers note that Cordy sounds like Corky sounds like Corky. <laughs> so if you know, you know. If you know, you know. I like that we bring up the, the Corky Corky all the time. And I don't know how many people listen to that episode. So, same, yeah, it's, same. It's, <laughs> no one remembers. It's deep within that episode, too. So <laughs> you have to still be awake and like yeah. paying attention. <laughs> They got yeah. to hunt for it. Yeah. 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 Anyway, if you know, you know. Yes, <laughs> truly. I want to know, I, I can't believe we haven't asked this yet, but which of the Ewok films are your favorites? Like if you could only take one with you, only one can stay on Disney Plus. That's all the bandwidth they have left. <laughs> which one are you <laughs> electing to stay on Disney Plus? That's a cruel way to put it. But <laughs> it's tough because I think before they were on Disney Plus, I would have said Battle for Endor without even thinking about it. But now them being on Disney Plus and rewatching them quite a bit, Caravan of Courage has kind of grown in my heart a little bit. I think just because of like the whole beginning with the Burl Ives narration and just Wicket's family yeah. off doing their thing. Oh, man. <laughs> it's really, I don't know. <laughs> that, that opening is very holiday special with the Wookiees where yeah. it's, a, it's a solid... 10 minutes of just Ewoks talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we I think we were saying too, like maybe they learned their lesson from the holiday special of putting that Burl Lives narration, like, oh, and there's Deej, and he's getting <laughs> his hanger going. And <laughs> it's just in Burl Lives, you know, you think of like the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer or the Frosty the Snowman. Like it's just a very Christmassy holiday sounding voice. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, this is the hardest question you've ever asked me. I think. <laughs> Jason, how are you feeling about picking one? I would, you know, I would have to say Battle for Endor still, because I, I feel like that is a movie that should be studied and preserved. 
for just <laughs> bizarreness. It's shocking audacity of weirdness. And I just, I could talk about Battle for Endor all day, every day, just nonstop. It's just because I'm just endlessly fascinated by Battle for Endor. It's just bizarre and beautiful. Yeah, when you when you kind of put them side by side, right? It's like, what's the intent behind leaving one of these on Disney Plus, right? You know, with the first one, right? The Burl Ives narration is just so warm and cozy <laughs> and just really wraps you in like a wintry hug as you embark on this Star Wars adventure. But then the sheer shock value <laughs> of Battle for Endor just like you want to sit people down and watch them watch it for the first time. I know that's what Charlotte was thinking when I was watching it for the first time, but we, we were all talking about it. We were like, this is more emotional than like the opening of Rogue One, like hands down, no contest. Like, and it's such a hard call because you're right. Like that whole opening for the first one is just such a treat. Like to just see the Ewoks just doing their thing. Ewoking. Yeah. Ewoking, Ewoking around. But yeah, I don't know. Battle for Endor is just literally insane. <laughs> I don't know which I, what I would pick either, and I'm sorry I posed yeah. the question. Yeah. Ba- Battle for Endor <laughs> brings you to the lowest lows only to build you back up again over the course yeah. of the movie. Yeah. So that you had the reaction you had when you're just so happy they're all together again. <laughs> yeah, when you have an actual breakdown yeah. <laughs> at the end of it. Which one would you pick, Charlotte? Battle for Endor for sure. Yeah, I think Caravan of Courage is a – I like it. I struggle a little bit sometimes with movies that are like fetch quests, basically, because yeah. I just feel like I see where they're going and it's like a little bit of a drawl for me, if that makes sense. And with Battle for Endor, I don't know. It was so bonkers. It was like every 10 minutes, something crazy happened. Really kept my attention. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the one for me. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'd probably have to pick. At the end of the day, I think I'd have to pick Battle for Endor just to experience other people watching it for the first time. Yeah. I think that's my criteria for choosing Battle for Endor. What are your favorite parts of these films? Like, if you could pick one part. There's so many. It's hard. (laughs) You're asking all the hard questions. It is really hard because it's like there's really good creature parts. Like, the Blurgs just look so cool. And Battle for Endor. But then like the scene with Sindel singing to Noah on his lap, like is just so sweet. Like, you know, like how do you pick what's your favorite when it's just all your favorites? Okay. All right. Wait, let me rephrase the question (laughs) a little bit. What is your favorite Wicked moment? Oh, that's easy for me. The Star Cruiser crash from Caravan of Courage. Star Cruiser crash. Crash? Yeah, that Crash. that whole and I love Aubrey Miller in that scene, sitting there with them. It's just and I think we talked about this too, where it's got like an innocence to it that reminds me kind of a Phantom Menace, of just yeah. this kind of joyful, just not a care in the world. Like it's that same thing where you get if you separate yourself from being a Star Wars fan, and just really think about what you're looking at right now. How kind of insane it is that this little teddy bear is talking to the little girl, just like Star Cruiser crash, and they're kind of <laughs> making each other giggle. But there's something so kind of George Lucas about that, too, that you know he just loves that stuff. And it's so, I, yeah, I love the whole Star Cruiser crash scene. I could watch that over and over. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just 
agree with Jason because you put that so well. Yeah, I think that the Sindel and Wicket relationship is adorable, like especially in Battle for Ednor when they're really just trying to figure out where to go and what to do in the beginning. I think it's just, it's too cute. I will say, I'm going to shout out my favorite Sindel moment now, if I may. My favorite Sindel moment is in Battle for Endor when they're being rescued out of the prison. I can't remember if it's Wicket or one of the other Ewoks goes to unlock the door for Lady Sheral. And Sindel runs up, <laughs> snatches the keys, yeah, and yeah. goes, No! She's evil! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like, run away. And uh, Lady Sheral, she just looks... Like, genuinely so sad. Like, just sad. Not mad. Just, like, very sad. (laughs) You kind of feel for her, don't you? Weirdly, in a weird way, watching Battle for Endor. I don't. When the the movie ends, I don't really hate her. No, I don't either. But but that moment of Sindel just, she, I think she like leaps up onto the prison bars and just like snatches the keys. <laughs> just such like a powerhouse move. I loved it. Yeah. This is my favorite Sindel moment. <laughs> well, because they set it up so we're like with them both in the prison together, you kind of start yeah. to feel for Sheral and you think, oh, you know, she, Sindel's a sweet little girl. She's not going to hold a grudge, but... She holds a grudge. <laughs> yeah. She holds a grudge. And the way she throws the keys too and they go in the hole, like oh, yeah. never to be seen again. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. She she aimed well. Yeah. You get a little a little taste of that earlier on though, when she's yelling at Noah in the house about how he's just a mean old man. She, her dark <laughs> yeah. side starts to come out. It really does. I would love to know what an adult Sindel. Like, I just feel like she'd have this great little sass to her, born from extreme trauma as seen in Battle of Endor, but I feel like she'd give some killer comebacks and one-liners. She, she had to be like that little bird. Her father told her to be like that little bird. And she had to fly away on her own, and she, she was keeping that promise. She was doing things for herself. It's too tragic. It's too sad. <laughs> it's, it's so sad. And then later on when Sindel has to be the one to tell Noah that, yes, in fact, that body in the background is oh. your best friend from who knows how many years yeah. prior. That is one of my favorite parts of Battle for Endor <laughs> because that is like the thesis moment of Battle for Endor. That is all of Battle for Endor personified in one moment where we've <laughs> dealt with the, the shocking death of the parents and Mace. Who Mace was the main character of the first one. Like when we had Marie Claire on talking about the mythology of the Ewok movies, you know, she very rightfully said that the first movie is Mace's hero's journey. It totally is. Yeah. He's gone. And then the whole point of Noah being on Endor, his friend, it's like, hey, is that skeleton over there your friend, Noah? Yeah, I think it is. Okay, no time for that. We got to keep going. (laughs) (laughs) It's awful. Again, the shock value is just through the roof. Um, (laughs) It's just, it's insane. I just. It is so crazy to think that they took Mace, and and Mace feels so much like a Luke Skywalker in Caravan of Courage. Like he's got the the voice down, he's got the same like kind of hairdo, like he's got all the same kind of trappings of a very young Luke Skywalker, and then dead, gone <laughs> in the next film, and. I still can't believe that that was a choice that they actually made. Like, I, I almost thought that he might appear at the end of it to be like, I survived or something like that. And the <laughs> no. bracelet just ran out of battery or something to show that his light came back on. 
But because it, it's just so shocking that they killed the kid, like the a, a teenager, but a kid. It's crazy. It, it is actually crazy. I, I don't know. I, I can't believe they did that. And because you go through, I you could say, yes, you could say Hero's Journey, but you also go through really not liking Mace in the first one to at the end being like, oh, okay, like, okay. And then you're like, okay, here he is. I can't wait to see the siblings again. And it's like, nope, never again. You never get to see that again. <laughs> and I'm like, why is he even in this movie? They paid him. They did that. <laughs> like, they put him on so poster. Sad. Yeah. Well, speaking of the poster, can we talk about the poster for a second? Because if you Google Battle for Endor poster, it comes up with this poster. And I'm just like, you know, it could, it could be like too JPEGy of an image. But I'm like, who's the guy on this poster? It's just like straight up not anyone in the movie <laughs> that's the one on the vintage collection on disney plus too like in the little thumbnail when you're scrolling through disney plus that's the poster who is that <laughs> that poster i oh i may get the country but it's, it was a european release poster it could be for the, i think it's for the german release because it played in theaters in germany and my guess is that they maybe they were worried about putting Wilford Brimley or Sindel front and center. And they wanted to probably sell it more as a star Wars action movie because also the Marauder is like huge up there too. Yeah. And it, it's nobody. It's <laughs> someone probably modeled for that, but it's no one that's in the movie. It's how she remembers her brother looking. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I feel yeah. like it's just like so shocking to me. I'm like, Star Wars, like you never do this. It's so weird. I have a, a t shirt of that poster. Oh, and good. It's great people all the time are like, what the, what, or at least they used to be like, what is that? And I was like, it's, it, we, we don't have that much time. I'm at the, I'm in the checkout lane in the grocery store. So I gotta, I gotta go. And I need that t shirt now. I, I will buy this t shirt. The like, the nooks and crannies of this franchise of Ewok movies, it, they're just endless. You know, like the poster <laughs> with characters who aren't even in the movie, like aren't even close. Like you don't even see this man. Who is this man? <laughs> Gabe, wasn't it originally that Mace was going to be killed off screen? Yeah, I think the actor who played Mace like lobbied to get in the movie because he was. they were going to just kill him off screen like the mom. Yeah, Eric, Eric Walker. Yeah, Eric Walker. He yeah lobbied just to have at least that one moment. Where he yells like "Sindel, get down!" or something, and that's, <laughs> and then you see like a puff of smoke come out from the yeah. forest or something, yeah. and <laughs> slowly falling out of frame. <laughs> it's so brutal. Was, was there a reason why they chose to get not just not have Mace but kill him? <laughs> what was I think it was just wasn't it Lucas saying in in the production or the, the notes leading up to it that he wanted to talk about death. And that he thought it was an important lesson for the children watching this to learn. Yeah. Ouch. Maybe. It does seem like, you know, yeah, there is definitely a lesson to learn about loss and moving on. But it could also be maybe Amanda didn't like the people and she just wanted to see her friends, the Ewoks. Ewoks. Oh, I'm sure she was like, okay, you made the guy the main character and you made this movie for me and what about the little girl like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean who can blame her and yeah. that was his answer and you know what it was shocking and we're still talking about it today <laughs> so i'm sure <laughs> it worked i'm sure <laughs> okay 
Do you guys think that there is a story treatment for a third Ewok movie that exists somewhere in the universe in a in an official capacity? <laughs> what was the deal Warwick Davis was saying in an issue of Starlog? Wasn't there that there were plans to do a third one? They even mentioned that I think in the uh the Tashin archives book that right. they originally yeah because the, the studio wanted them to do a third one and they at least thought about it before they decided not to so yeah maybe there's a, a like a one page paragraph treatment or something but yeah i think of all star wars stuff like that's the story everyone wants to see the, <laughs> the third part of right we need to see sindel says she's going to come back and visit wicket we so, have to complete the trilogy. Yeah. It's just weird to have a duology. I don't know how I feel about it. It's pretty obvious that Battle for Endor is the darker middle chapter. And yet, like, it even ends like The Last Jedi with the doors closing. Like, <laughs> yeah, what even is that? I was like, this is Ray and Kylo. What am I watching? <laughs> and I would love if they released that paragraph. I know it exists somewhere. The archivists have it. It has to. Has to. Yeah, like, is there a huge time jump, too? Like, is Sindel now older? Is, you know, Noah still alive? They come back. Is Teak still alive? Like, what's the deal? Does, I need to know if they're ever reunited. Well, where is Teak now? That's the question on everyone's brain, right? Where is Teak? Where, yeah, where, what's he doing? How does, now I've always wondered that, too. Does Teak just incorporate himself into Ewok society? It seems like he would. Yeah. I think that's where the ending was leading us, is that he and Wicket become best friends afterwards. Sure. I want to see those stories. Yeah, me too. Gimme. Imagine <laughs> if if the answer to this year's holiday special was the third Ewok movie. <laughs> and it was like, it restored the roots of like what Caravan of Courage was supposed to be like. It was supposed to be called what, like the Ewok holiday special or something like that. Right. And what if they were like, no, here is the Ewok holiday special. <laughs> and it oh was Sindel. Years later, Teak's there. The effects Teak's are the there. same. <laughs> the budget's the same. <laughs> we're fully using the Ray Harryhausen effects of stop motion. It would be so fun. Imagine so fun. how fun that would be. I think it would be very fun. And what if in like kind of kind of like a cruel switcheroo though if instead of on may 4th instead of bad batch it was the 30 walk movie that just dropped that's not cruel i'll watch it that yeah. would be great i'll watch it but can you imagine online what would no. happen if instead of bad batch you got the 30 walk movie we never thought there would be an episode seven we, we never thought that we never thought there'd be a streaming thing that would have the Ewok movies to be able to watch on demand. So Clone Wars was gone forever, as far as we knew. So miracles yeah. have happened. Miracles right? have happened. So, it's true. Warwick Davis is still around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so I have a couple of like, I guess you could call them like quick fire questions for you guys. I really wanted to get your answers, Jason and Gabe. They're like teak questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just me unloading all of my feelings today about the end of Battle for Endor. So just, okay, number one. Should Teak have gone with Noah? Yes. Uh, no. No. Oh, my God. I was so sad when they didn't go with them, when Teak didn't go with him. He's like Wilfred Brimley's best, he's Noah's best friend. I was so sad. Wait, why? Okay. The fact that Noah said he loved him, I was like, this is too much. I said this was quick fire, but I need to know why 
you think that Teague should not have gone with Noah? <laughs> I think part of Noah's journey is Noah learning to put the past behind him. And <laughs> Noah has now accepted, he's not the grumpy old man kind of just living in his sadness of his friend dying and that he's stuck there. You know, his ship works. He can leave. And he kind of has a role. Like, he's got to take care of this little girl and get her to a safe place in the galaxy. She's an orphan. And I think he's kind of, you know, Teak is okay. He did his job with Teak. And Noah now has a new role. That's what I think. That's my that's my deep study of Noah. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Because it's kind of trading. He's trading Sindel for Teak. So no one's alone. Wicket and right. Teak can be friends. And Sindel has Noah now. Yeah, you're probably right. You're right, but I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Wicket and Teak should have went with them. They all all should have. The four of them should have went together. But then Return of the Jedi wouldn't have happened because this is allegedly taking place before this somehow. None of it makes any sense. No, it really doesn't make any sense. He forgot how to speak English. Like it's it's over. Yeah. The one rule of Ewok movies is don't try to figure out when they happen. Don't figure out the timeline. Okay. Don't do it. So, so when Sindel eventually comes back to Endor, does she ever give her family a proper burial? <laughs> like, I don't know, a headstone, something, a flower. Uh, on Endor, you can start a campfire made out of bones. So, for you know, her bo- the bones probably burned up before she got back. That's true. That's true. Knowing Ewoks the way we do, I wouldn't be surprised. If they knew what happened and created memorial for the Tawani family, they oh, totally you're did. Right, you're still. They right. totally did. Wicked and Teak led the charge too. Right. I thought you were going to say they would have eaten them. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was the direction we were going in. <laughs> not me. I was like, yeah, they definitely had like a very nice memorial service for them. Yeah. And a good meal. We, we, we don't talk about what happened at the memorial, but yeah, <laughs> a memorial nonetheless. Yeah. okay my next sad question was did sindel ever take off the bracelet that had all her dead family's lights on it (laughs) we're all red oh no eventually it would probably not fit anymore so she'd have to get it you know get a little spacer or something but i could see i could see her always wearing it yeah oh man okay that's the last of my like super sad questions um (laughs) How many biomes are on Endor or this moon of Endor? Because we saw a lot of different landscapes going on. I had no idea Endor was this big. Endor, yeah, is maybe the craziest planet in all of Star Wars because it's, yeah, it's got everything. It's like the Caravan of Courage. It's like they're going through Middle Earth where it's like we're going through the swamps and the fields and the forests. And there's a lot. Endor is a crazy, crazy place. Yeah. But all the crazy stuff is on one side and all the forests on the other. <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> in Return of the Jedi, we just saw the forest side. We didn't see all the other stuff. Yeah, I was like, I can't believe the Empire didn't try to confiscate this castle situation going on. It seems right up their alley. They, maybe they did. We have no idea because we're not yeah. supposed to question the timeline. One <laughs> <laughs> also making things more complicated is what was it that uh, the King Marauder guy, his throne has bits of broken speeder bikes in it i saw that and i was scratching my head a bit yeah so it kind of like like okay i don't know (laughs) yeah like gabe said though first rule of the ewok movies is (laughs) don't figure out when they take place because they don't (laughs) 
<laughs> the Marauders are the first scavengers that we see in Star Wars. They are scavengers. Yeah. Well, I guess the Jawas are, but okay, forget I said that. They are scavengers. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine when we were watching that first season of Mandalorian and those those creatures, the sanctuary episode, mm-hmm. and when they come out of the woods and they're Gabe and I both, like, our hearts almost stopped because we were like, oh because we already had blurgs and we we're like, are these the marauders from? Right. Yeah. yeah, there's a few seconds there. I wouldn't even be surprised. Like, I feel like John Favreau and Dave, like, Dave Filoni has all this knowledge, like, deep within his brain, right? Everything is the level for him. But John Favreau is, like, obsessed with every tiny little detail. He thinks it's, like, the coolest thing ever to include something small like that like i wouldn't even be surprised if in the next season there was more connections to the ewok movies because there's certainly a ton in the mandalorian yeah yeah Yeah. all four of us were at that panel and when they showed the blurks i think gabe and i again were like in like denial we were like it sure looked like a blurk well (laughs) it walks like a blurk blurk. yeah I mean, and the blurks are like a big part of the Mandalorian too. Like, yeah, they really are. It's not just small, some small thing. It was pretty shocking. I don't know. Yeah. There's more connections down the road. I swear. I swear we're going to see Sindel again. I think she's going to crop up somewhere. It, it, yeah, if she's going to show up anywhere, she could totally show up on the Mandalorian. Yeah. Easily. Easily. It was a book once, some weird book somewhere where she showed up as a reporter. As like a hollow net news reporter. Oh my god! It was like some book in the nineties. Something. Okay. Maybe it was the role playing game. I don't know. I should have looked that up. But she did show up again in the EU as a reporter, and that would be something really easy they could do. Where it could even be, and I can never pronounce it, but the Airbush, Airbush, yeah, Sindel Tawani reporting for Hollow Net News or something. You know, like going yeah. across the screen. Which then it would be canon. So yeah, you're right. That would be so easy for them to do. I was going to ask, what do you think in the next season of Mandalorian? What new Ewok adventure connection should they make? Like, what should we introduce in next? Because <laughs> I really want to see Teak again. <laughs> I love Teak, and I want him in something else. Imagine an improved puppet of Teak. I think that could be really cool. Not that his appearance was poor in any way i'm just saying like i don't know it could be crazy to see teak updated maybe he'll have longer hair something like that you know (laughs) teak after dark like you never know (laughs) teak was in the original star tours too oh my that's where i've seen him thank you for saying that Oh, it's all coming back to me. In the, the putting on your seatbelt video. Yes. Oh. Yes. In the, in the safety procedure area. He's like sitting down. Oh, my God. Wow. wow. Sorry. I just had a breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the action figure set for Star Tours too, right, Jason? Yeah. So the, the, yeah. there was a Teak action figure made by Hasbro, but in the Star Tours set. Yeah. I am oh shook. All these, um, I've been like trying to trace where I've seen him before, and I had something so specific in my brain, and I was like, must have just been like a gif or something that I've seen a thousand times from this movie. And now that you say that, I'm like, oh my god, I have that entire safety monologue memorized. Of course he's in it. <laughs> you know, yes, can't <laughs> confirm. Yeah, I know. Caitlin's gonna back me up. Like I do, even from the old one. <laughs> so, uh, wow, I just looked up a picture of it. Oh my god, I brings you back, right? 
Yeah, it kind of yeah. does. Like, I, I don't know it as well as you, but yeah, now it's coming back to me some. I remember being a kid and going to like Disneyland with my family and like seeing the, like the going on star tours and the pre load ride was like, I was like, wait, that's the guy from Battlefront. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening here? Well, it actually totally makes sense because even in the story, you're supposed to be going to Endor. Like, it's your starship to Endor. Right. So, yeah, he's going to be on the flight. He's going places. He's off. <laughs> he's coming back from his visit to Noah and Sindel. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, they, like, had, had, like, a holiday dinner together. Yes, their own they holiday did. special. Wow. <laughs> so it makes total sense for him to be the next Mandalorian Ewok adventure movie connection. I would say it would be cool if we're going to get some sort of, I don't know if we ever will, but... The witch would be cool to see. Give me the witch. Yeah. yeah. The witch would the witch would be the most the weirdest as far as like force, probably. Like yeah. I assume she's she has knowledge of the force. Or maybe I don't know. Maybe she doesn't. I don't think she does. Oh, maybe she does. I don't know. Yeah, that again, that whole plot line is a little murky <laughs> of, of what everyone knows and doesn't know about the galaxy. Well, live action Night Sisters would be extremely cool. And it would be easy just yeah to have a a reference to Lady Chiral would be be nice. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't say no. I feel like someday we're gonna get that because it's just too cool to not create a set around. Like we saw how cool that set was that they created for the episode The Jedi, chapter thirteen for the Mandalorian. Like that set is witchy and funky and foggy and cool and stuff. Can you imagine like a a real life set of Dathomir? Yeah. It'd be awesome. Yeah. I could imagine a lot. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I had to. <laughs> it's, good, it's very good. <laughs> okay. So I think we've kind of come to the end of our conversation about the Ewok adventure movies for now. I'm always going to put in that caveat for now. But <laughs> as you guys know in Sky Talkers, whenever we have a guest on the show, we do our Sky Talkers Star Wars dinner party question. And Jason and Gabe have answered this question before. But we wanted to ask it again to see if maybe their answers have changed some. And we did already tell them who they invited back, I believe, was this in 2019? Yeah. And Gabe invited Carrie, George, Ryan, Penbert, and Benbert's wife. And then <laughs> Jason invited Carrie, George, Rick McCallum, Dave Filoni, and Donald Glover. Which I'll also note that, Gabe, you invited Ben Burt and Ben Burt's wife. And then I'm pretty sure you also had the dinner taking place at Ben Burt's house, if I remember correctly. Yes. I think I wanted the mac and cheese that made the Java sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to see if you guys have the same dinner, which is totally cool if you have the same dinner, um, or if you wanted to switch some things up in 2021. I was thinking of changing mine to an Ewok-themed dinner party. Amazing. Yes. That's what I thought you guys would do. <laughs> I'm thinking I would invite Warwick Davis, Aubrey Miller, who played Sindel, and Amanda Lucas to just talk about memories when they were a kid of the filming of the Ewok movies. I think that would be a great dinner. You do have two more spots if you want anyone else to come. Or if we just want to keep it low key. I, I thought about having like the directors or Joe Johnson or something, but I think there's something special about the three people who were very young during filming and just to hear how weird their memories would be because they were so young. 
and not having a grown up there who maybe remembered things clearly, I think would make it even more enjoyable. <laughs> That's such a good point. <laughs> I don't think any of George Lucas's children have been invited to a Star Wars dinner before. No. So this is a first and a record setter, if you will. And I think that's a great choice because Amanda was such a big influence for George on so many projects that we named. So I think that would be really cool. Gabe, that was so good. Because I, <laughs> I was going just totally traditional. But my mine is updated. I thought about it. Uh, Melody Hobson. I would invite yes. her because I think her perspective on everything now would be absolutely fascinating. And I would just love to hear her just like laughing about Star Wars or something. Pedro Pascal. That's a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Tamil Morrison. Yes. <laughs> and he has to bring you're, his guitar. <laughs> so you're putting the party and dinner party with this group. Yes. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> Dr. Mandible. Oh my God. <laughs> just to mix yes. it up. Yeah. <laughs> Is there one more? There was four, right? There's one more. Yes. Yeah. Got one more. One more. One more. Well, the word is that Aubrey Miller doesn't remember anything from the filming of the Ewok movies, but maybe I would just have her there anyways. <laughs> <laughs> just to have fun. You know, maybe some things will jog her memory. You never know. Dr. Mandible might. You never know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you never know. Like, weren't you in Battle for Endor, Dr. Mandible? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe if if she's hanging out with Pedro Pascal and either Melody Hobson or something, some calls could be made and we could get her in a future Star Wars show. So she could show up in Kenobi. Yeah, I think this is a good direction for your dinner to go in of really seeing what could come from it in the future, <laughs> specifically with Kenobi. It's like George Lucas and that there's always the ulterior motive. We're, we're always pushing one thing forward while doing something else. <laughs> Aubrey Miller revitalizing her role as Sindel and Dr. Manable together at some point in the future. You never know when, but always be looking out for them. Brought to you by Blast Point's Star Wars Dinner Party. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll be in the credits, too. I feel like both of these dinners are amazing. I really like that you did a Ewok theme one. Again, I feel like this is the first time Melody Hobson has been invited too. We got we got a lot of Lucas family here. Yeah, it's true. I'm, it's I'm true. here for it. I'm here for it. It, it maybe because we're learning that the true way to learn the real deep stuff about Lucas is to learn them from his family. <laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> that's, that's where the secrets are. Yeah, it's like in the beginning, you always want to invite like to your first dinner party. You always invite George Lucas with the hopes of. I don't know, learning something. But yeah, it's like as you go on, the more dinner parties you have, the more you realize that it's the people around him that you got to invite, the family. <laughs> it's true. For the true perspectives, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our discussion about the Ewok Adventure movies. And before we go, I just want to give Blast Points the opportunity to plug their awesome content and what they have going on down the road and where you can find them. Yeah. So you can find Blast Points podcast just pretty much anywhere uh, you can find podcasts, Star Wars podcasts, and or you could just go to our website, blastpointspodcast.com, where we've got links to all of our social media. And we have a handy dandy search feature where you can search for topics. If you want to find every episode where we ever have talked about Ewoks ever, which there's a lot of them, you can search on there and they'll all come right up for you. 
and yeah, we've got a lot of stuff coming up. We've got uh, in Indiana Jones year. We're doing a year long tribute to Indiana Jones this year. We got lots of fun episodes on the way. Uh, with some really cool, fun special guests coming up, and yeah, we've got a really neat lineup of episodes coming in May too that we're really excited to do. We got a May the fourth episode coming that we're so excited to finally do and we might be the only people who are really excited about our may the fourth episode but, i'm excited yeah. i'm excited so. i'm excited too <laughs> but we, we can't wait to let everyone know what it is so yeah and we're going to be doing lots of bad batch coming up and yeah most importantly we just we're so happy that charlotte and caitlin that you asked us to to come on again and we love talking to you both we you know we we listen to your show every week we're huge fans and we always have so much fun talking to you both and we're just we're so happy you asked us to come on again well thank you guys again so much for being on the show and we'll be sure to link all of blast points their twitter and website and the ewok episodes too so if you haven't listened to them yet either to the ewok episodes or to blast points podcast in general do yourself a favor and go subscribe right now. I promise you won't regret it. And that's going to be it for us this week. And if you want to find us online, you can go to our Twitter, which is at SkyTalkersPod, or our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Flusher, and Charlotte's is at Clarity. We also have our website, SkyTalkers.com, Facebook, Instagram. We've also recently launched a TikTok if you want to go check out some of our videos there. And uh, if you haven't left us a review yet on iTunes, we would really love if you took a second to go and leave us a five-star rating. It helps other people find our show and join in on the craziness that is the Ewok adventure movies. And if you are interested in being a part of our Patreon, where we're doing fun things now like movie nights, you can head on over to our Patreon, just search Sky Talkers, and you can find out other ways to support us there. Yes. And I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons. Amy, Chris, Kelly, Claxton, Lindsay, Lola, Froppy, Kat, Dave, Nikki, Brendan, Lauren, Hannah, Efren, Nora, Sarah, John, Stephanie, and Tom. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.